most intense, thrilling, electrifying sport on the planet. Mixed Martial Arts. You've been looking for the definitive podcast to call your new home to hear everything about it. The search is over. This is the MMA Knowledge Show. No filter. Bringing you the hottest MMA breakdowns straight from the heart of the octagon. This show is all about MMA breakdowns for fans by fans. We're talking UFC, MMA, and the occasional big boxing match. We'll bring our unique take on how these fights are going to play out and who we think are the best bets. Welcome to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. And now your hosts, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly, and Emiliano, a.k.a. Jive Turkey Nano. What is up, fight fans? Welcome back to another episode of the MMA Anomaly Show, No Filter. I'm your host, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly, and with me, as always, is the co-host with the most, Jive Turkey Nano. How are we doing, brother? We are doing great, brother. I noticed we're both wearing the blue. We're the blues, brothers, but that doesn't mean we're feeling blue, baby. We are feeling great. Ready to rock and roll on this uh, fantastic Tuesday evening. And it was a fun weekend, brother. Some great fights. You know, all things led to that main card. And your boy was disappointed. Not, No too many spoilers here. We'll be sure to dive on into this fantastic card. But uh, feeling good, brother. I'm good, man. I'm ready. Love to hear it, baby. Love to hear it. Uh, so with that being said, we are going to jump right on into breaking down our instant reactions to UFC Fight Night. Hermanson versus Pfeiffer, a.k.a. UFC Fight Night. Or UFC Vegas 86. Is it 86 now? We've had so many of these damn Vegas cards. It's another Apex weekend. That's uh, <laughs> lose track of all of them at this point. Just another Apex Saturday. <laughs> Man, honestly, I'm I, I'm a big fan of the Apex just because it, it kept us out of the dark during COVID. We, we continued to be able to have these beautiful events. Um, but it's time. It's time to go back to a live crowd. Man, stop saving money here. Yeah, and I and I heard it on some of the podcasts uh, throughout the week, but I, I'd love to see them try to go to more cities, right? I mean, there's so many big metro areas. The UFC can do great and sell it anywhere, right? I mean, the UFC 298 is in Anaheim. Us California kids know where that is, but maybe half the world may not know where Anaheim is. They know Los Angeles. They know San Francisco. But Anaheim's another great city, fired up, ready to host. Uh, and I'm sure there's other great cities like that all across the states, man. I mean, Dana always talks about trying to make more of these fights. I mean, you name a stadium, he can probably sell it out. So I'm not sure why we don't. The Superdome would get a hell of a roar for for a UFC event. UFC Bro. New Orleans, sign me the all, fuck up, kid. With Little Wayne in the front row, come on, brother. Doug it much better sign than that. Me yeah. up. I think that's I think that's where they need to start going. I love that they've been back on their global initiative as of recent, or maybe after COVID, wanting to get, you know, Abu Dhabi, all these other places. And Dana White recently said he's pretty much been everywhere he's won, wanted to try to go. Um, there's no other uh, wish list for him. So state of the classics, stick in the States, get those ticket sales up, go to places maybe you haven't been yet. If there's a Washington, an Ohio, a I mean, Florida is always open. He loves going there, but anywhere else, I'm open for there's, it. There, there's so many different places to go. And I mean, just just kind of delving more into reasons behind the UFC New Orleans card and floating that idea straight to the top here, folks. Um, look, 
I, I just I this is this is what needs to happen. Okay, for more reasons than one, but I'll tell you number one. I'll tell you the biggest reason. Okay, there are two fighters in the UFC that you may have heard of. Their names even happen to rhyme with each other. Justin and Dustin, Justin Gagey, Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier happens to be from Lafayette, Louisiana, and um, he's one and one with a young man named Justin Gagey. The only thing is they fought once in, in Justin Gagey's home state, and then they fought at a more mutual state, which was at elevation. So actually, it kind of benefited Gagey again, and they're still 1-1. But the fact of the matter remains that they fought once on home turf for Justin, but they haven't fought on home turf for Dustin. Why don't we have that happen in UFC New Orleans, baby? I just think that that's an absolute money play. I think it would sell tickets. It would have my ass in a seat, I'll tell you that. And, uh, I mean, come on, folks. Like, If you don't think that that would be one of the loudest crowds in the world, you're out of your fucking mind, okay? It's just a fact. I love it, man. They'd be going bonkers right there. Uh, in New, in New Orleans, brother. You heard me? I was trying to think of the downtown street right there. I can't recall it, but uh, best believe, man, they'll be beat it up and uh, ready to see people get beat beat up. <laughs> yeah, we'll give out beads for knockouts instead of beads for boobs. Um, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, jumping right into the breaking down this fight card, we, we have to start off and address the elephant in the room here. Um, I think we were, when it comes to Daniel Marcos versus Kileng Aori, um, man, I think we were both, were we both on Daniel Marcos on this one? Correct. Had him in my parlay yeah, as man. well. That I was think, nullified. I mean, <laughs> we're not going to do a shot on this one, right? Like it, nah, it's a no contest. No Technically contest. we weren't wrong. And I mean, let's call a spade a spade here. He, he landed a two to one clip here compared to Aori Kilong. And I mean, he was, he was dominating the fight up until the fight ended and, you know, before I actually steamroll ahead into this one, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. What were your thoughts on Daniel Marcos's performance first? And then what were your thoughts on the stoppage of the fight? Yeah, I think Daniel Marcos looked great. I think he was someone we were excited about, someone with an undefeated record, someone who has a lot of hype fighting out of Peru. Um, and he showed a lot of uh, fast strikes. He showed a willingness to throw them in a variety of ways, which you'd love to see. And like you mentioned, he really was landing at a two to one clip and it felt like he was maybe going to run away with this fight if we were going to continue on. Unfortunately, what we did see was, um, and this was the first time I've actually seen a, a opponent not be able to continue and take the full five minutes. Uh, but he, uh, Auro Killing, uh, attempted to do a flying knee and at the same time, in coincidentally, uh, Daniel Marcos went to throw a, I believe it was a teep kick or maybe a knee. I believe it was a teep kick because he ended up getting his uh, kind of leg or toes into that crotchal region, which, hey, always got to protect the little man downstairs. Um, unfortunately, uh, AO was not able to you know, recover in the full five minutes and the ref gave him every chance. But unfortunately, you can really just see it. And then even um, Dom was talking about it on the, uh, commentary where hey, it's one thing to you know get hit and let the adrenaline take over and and you see guys kind of being more willing to go right back to action but he took the full five minutes and did not look any better that last minute than he did in the first so left the judge no choice but to make it a no contest but to no um to not allow the fighter to continue because the time wasn't enough but again those one of the first times i can recall actually seeing someone given that full five and then 
the judge is saying, okay, now this isn't going to work. Um, but I thought that was the right move. I mean, again, like I mentioned, didn't show any signs of improvement. Uh, you saw the replay, even if it wasn't necessarily flush, obviously it doesn't take much to connect or, you know, burst anything down there or just, you know, cause any type of pain or discomfort. And he obviously was not going to be able to fight. So I think this was the right move. And the reality was this was ill-intentioned. They both were making athletic, uh, you know, explosive strikes towards each other. It wasn't like Daniel, you know, lined up and, and kicked the field goal straight. It was an obvious um, accident. And, and for that, no contest was the right move. Unfortunately, just tough for us to see. And hey, you never want to see someone's, uh, you know, downstairs get wrecked with. So curious to hear your thoughts, but um, definitely tough to watch. So upon first watch, uh, I'll be honest, I thought it was a foul. Um, it looked like it was a nut shot or a cup shot, rather. Um, as as Mad Max Meridian, shout out Mad Max Meridian in the chat, pointed out, it was kind of a foul off. Um, you know, they were taking turns hitting each other in the nuts for sure. So let's see what he says in his chat before I before I do my breakdown. The angle I saw, it also looked like it went under the cup, like taint side. It sounds goofy, obviously, but in my experience, that's way worse than a front shot. I agree. Uh, when it goes under like that, what happens? Sorry for the for the kind of descriptive breakdown here, but if you've got like you know, sack skin, that's going to get basically clamped in between the cup and your leg or the cup and your taint. And so like you're almost, it feels like you're like slicing off a piece of your ball sack. Uh, it doesn't feel good at all. But that being said, I went back and I actually rewatched that fight literally today. Um, and in my rewatch, I don't think it actually connected. Um, I think it connected to the inside of the thigh and then, if anything, maybe it skipped off the inside of the thigh and it ended up actually hitting the uh, the cup afterwards. But even then, like if it hit the thigh like what I think I saw or what, what I believe I saw, then there's no way that it hit his, his, his cup with that much steam for him to not be able to continue. So for me, I, I do feel like it was a bit of a BS throw. Um, he was down two to one on strikes. He was not going to be able to fight his way back into that fight. I think we can all call a spade a spade here on that one, guys. Like, he is definitely one of those people that's got that dog in him, right? Like, there's no doubt about it. But at the same time, even a dog knows when he's fucked, you know? So um, that dog tucked tail and ran away. He had a great opportunity to do it. His opponent came very close to fouling him, even if he did. Uh, even if he didn't, it was very close. It was close enough to fake and cry wolf. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it seemed a bit weird. Uh, Mad Max said, my cousin and I both said it was a bit weird. Seemed like a good out, but I hate to make that accusation. Same. I hate making that accusation. But, again, on first look, not really paying attention 100%. I could see it being a foul. On second watch, it didn't actually look like it connected to the cup. Please, if you if you want to prove me wrong, at MMA Anomaly, tag me on Twitter. I'm more than happy to have an open discussion about it. Um but yeah, man, like I, uh, I had the same eyes here, Mad Max Meridian. I had those, those emoji eyes, you know what I'm saying? Looking, looking over a little bit like, uh, was that really a nut shot? I don't know, dude. Um, but I don't think it was. So I digress. Daniel Marcos, one hell of a performance for him. Definitely looking forward to seeing what they do next for this young Bantamweight. But no matter who they stack him against next, I will definitely be paying attention, in my opinion, he should be sitting at 16-0 and 0 right now. Shouldn't have been a no contest. Um, 
Moving into the next one. We have Fernie Garcia coming in against Hyder Emil. Nano, before we jump into Hyder, what did you think of Garcia? I kept saying Garcia. Stay in there, Garcia. And then he had some good moments. I said, go Garcia. And then he got knocked, knocked down. I said, oh, no, Garcia. It was a good, it was a good five, man. Back and forth for sure. I thought Garcia was going to have enough, but Big Fern, uh, just not able to weather the storm that of Hyder Amil coming from the Bay Area. He was moving, he was chucking and jiving, he was thizzle dancing all over that octagon, uh, and just was able to get the upper hand in, in any of the exchanges, right? When it came to the feet, Hyder had an answer for him. He was getting him down on the ground and, and, <clears throat> Got stunned, got dropped at one point, ladies and gentlemen. This was a back and forth fight. This was certainly not a landslide by any means. Hyder Emil did get faced with some adversity. Compliments to Fernie Garcia throwing those hands and saying, I'm not going down like Garcia. I need to be better. You can do it. So uh, that's what he did. He gave it all he got, everything he got, but it was not enough. And uh, big Hyder Emil repping the bay, took care of business. And uh, yeah, it was a fun fight, man. But Hyder looks like a dog. Here's here your thoughts. If anything else impressed you specifically, I know it's tough to uh, do call outs for, you know, unranked featherweights at this stage, but here's here what stood out to you in that fight, man. And big burn, aka Garcia. Fernie looked good, man. He was throwing big, heavy shots. Uh, he wasn't going away without a fight, but Hyder is just a nasty individual, man. Um, he seems extraordinarily strong for featherweight. It just looks like he hits like a lightweight. Uh, if I'm being honest, like he just he looks like he carries the weight very well. Not not one of those guys that's going to say he's a weight bully uh, because I, I think that's a ridiculous accusation. And just if you make the weight, you make the weight. A weight bully is someone who doesn't make the weight. He made the weight to my to my knowledge. So um, good on Hyder. He improves to nine and zero, stays undefeated, keeps that zero. He outlanded his opponent almost three to one here. Thirty one strikes from Fernie Garcia landed out of his eighty seven thrown. And 109 landed from Hyder Emil. So Hyder doubled the output and um, tripled the accuracy, right? So he hit a 56% clip. Very, very nice. Um, I mean, honestly, you love to see it. The only thing I think I, I'd like to see him improve on is his takedowns. He was having trouble when he was trying to get in on those shots. He only went one for three on them. But I also think that he wasn't really trying so hard to get those takedowns so much as he was just showing looks and making him think right if you you show the takedown you make that person think about it then you're basically setting them up to eat your hands because then whenever you go to the body they're thinking about sprawling and you know there's there's a number of different things that go on mentally for you so brilliantly played for Hydra Mill I, I can't really play matchmaker for him um just because like you said he's an unranked featherweight pretty far down the list um there's there's definitely some good names that come to mind like a nathaniel wood uh you know things like that but again uh there's there's people right outside of the rankings list as well as right inside of the rankings list that would make a lot of sense for him but at the same time i also don't want them to, to fast burn him um yeah there's just there's just no reason to really fast burn him through it uh like you don't need to feed him to a sadiq you don't need to feed him to a larone murphy or an alex caceres yet he's not quite on that level but Two, three fights from now, maybe he is. Uh, I just think we need to see him against tougher competition. Um, so, yeah, not going to play matchmaker for him. Moving into the next one, we had Zach Pauga coming in against Tattooless Anthony Smith. Um, I mean, you, you just love to see it, guys. Like, 
Dude literally looked like Anthony Smith. They took a picture next to each other afterwards, and it looks like one of those AI pictures that had to like be photoshopped or some shit, bro. Like it's just wild. So these guys genuinely look like they're brothers from other mothers, um, bros from other schmoes. My goodness. Bogdan Guskov put some respect on his name because he is definitely his own man. Um, I was definitely wrong here. I thought Zach Palga was going to come out here and be able to put it on Bogdan. I like Zach. I, I think he's a tough individual, and he showed he was a tough individual in this, right? Like, they were throwing lead back and forth. And, um, man, as Max said, he said, glad I left this one alone. Was wrong here. Yes, so was I. So I got to pour one up. Um, that's okay, though, because... Mm, yeah, that's okay, because I'm pretty sure my guy Nano bet on Devin Clark in the next one, so I'll save that one for him, right? Touche, <laughs> <laughs> uh, touche. Yeah, Dude, brother, this was... Uh, <laughs> well, we'll get, to, we'll get to our boy Devin Clark in a little bit here. Yeah. We don't want to skip over our boy Max Payne, <laughs> Griffin, but I will accompany you on this journey. We don't leave a man behind when he does a shot. Uh, this was a toss-up. This was a pick em. I did flip the coin the other way, and I assumed Bakken Guskov uh tattooless anthony silva has that same lion hard dog in him tit definitely thought hey man they were going tit for tat i just and i don't know if zach stumbled or if he i guess he basically did get dropped but then once bogdan smelled blood in the water he turned into a great shark a great white shark was, and it was, yeah, was a street beast mode oh yeah it was feast or famine he got after him real quick uh but that's what happens with these big boys right i mean it's you see stars, and next thing you know, you're out of there. There's there's not a lot of recovery. Uh, you're not going to see them, um, you know, picking themselves off the canvas. There, it, it's a t- it's a tough night it, once you get rocked, and that's unfortunately what happened here for our boy, aka the uh, he the new nickname Zach Palga debuted the head chief, I believe. Um, didn't age well. The high the, chief. The high chief. <laughs> well, that chief needs to get a little higher because he was uh, unfortunately a little low on the ground. KO'd. But it was a fun uh, fight. Performance of the night goes to Bogdan Guskov. He was shout out. Because uh, that was an impressive knockout, needless to say. But I got my shot poured up because, uh, you know, you were on the wrong side of it. I did throw him in my lineup, but um, you know what? Also drink to a good a good showing on his fend. <laughs> Dude, I actually love this. Mad Max said the Chiefs leave the fighting to the Warriors. Man's fucked himself. Um, right, you wrong. are. He's not wrong, you know. Uh, there's a reason that the Chiefs have the Warriors do the the Warrior stuff. So, as we say here on the show, a bet made, a debt paid. Fucking bugged. You had a lot of KOs, man. I figured there there was something happening. A lot of finishes. A lot of finishes. Um, decent amount of finishes on this card, in my opinion, too. Especially to start it off, like. If you want to count the Daniel Marcos one, like we had three to start it off. <laughs> um, one that didn't end in a finish, which I didn't think it would end in a finish. I can't remember who did you have on this one. You have we had Wells, didn't you? Did you have yes. Wells? No, I don't think so. I could double check. I think I had my boy Max Payne Griffin. Okay, perfect, perfect. Yeah, because I had him as a potential win. bet as well. But yeah, that was the boy. It was close though, brother. I was not feel. I was not feeling good about it. I was not feeling good about it at all. <laughs> You're not wrong. I was, uh, <laughs> I was a bit worried. I was a bit worried about that when I uh, I was watching that fight. Max was 
definitely uh he was wearing it man he was he was eating those shots um but i mean the man's nickname is paint so he's no stranger to that right he was definitely willing to go through the fire to land his own damage and uh it showed it showed throughout the duration of the fight I just I didn't know if he had done enough to beat Jeremiah Wells. In my honest opinion, I thought maybe Wells had edged it out. Um, but curious to hear how you scored the fight. Did you score the fight for Max Griffin? And if so, which rounds did you have him winning? No, again, brother. I mean, if I'm being totally like unbiased here and not looking at it with um, you know rose uh, rosebud lenses here, because you know, again, I was voting for Max Griffin. I was rooting for him. I, I love him as a fighter. But if I'm, and again, and just using like the naked eye, I was watching it as a fan. I, I really wasn't grading round per round. I was didn't get a chance to rewatch it and do the grading. I just took it as it was that night. But I, I felt like Jeremiah Wells. I mean, every time he was exploding, it was it was um, impactful. I felt like he had more of the significant strikes. I just thought in those exchanges he was doing a bit more or just felt like he was uh maybe he just had the upper hand by just a bit it was a it was a very very close fight max did just enough to keep himself in it and obviously have two out of the three judges to you know think that he won the fight but i was on that one judge's side i think man i think i probably would have had jeremiah wells winning first and second round that second round is maybe the questionable one then the third round max obviously did enough to look good um, win some of those exchanges as Jeremiah slowed down just enough. And maybe it was from all those, you know, spinning kicks, spinning back, back fists. He was throwing some very wild and, and everything that he had um, was with purpose, with almost full 100% power. So that's why I think my naked eye was watching it thinking, oh, that just is what I remembered more. That's what was top of mind. That felt like maybe the difference in the fight. But no, Max Payne Griffin was able to get it done. And as you're rocking and Philly shelling and throwing your strikes over there, brother, was it was that what impressed you with Max Payne? Was he was it just his ability to stay in the pocket and win those exchanges that got him the win? So not only that, um, first great breakdown, bro. Uh, I, I don't disagree with you on many fronts, if any fronts. So uh, we'll dive right into it. Um, the things that impressed me the most about Max Payne Griffin, as you said, were his ability to remain in the pocket, take the damage, and give the damage. Um, in regards to the same question that I asked you, did I score the fight for Max Griffin? And if so, which rounds did I have him winning? Um, I thought in the back of my head, maybe Jeremiah Wells did just enough to edge this out. If he did enough to edge it out, I would have said that he had won rounds two and three. But that being said, I actually had the fight two to one Max Griffin. I thought Max Griffin did enough in rounds one and three. I thought he took the middle round off a little bit um, and it showed, right? His opponent had... More control time, more total strikes, more significant strikes, more everything other than accuracy. Um, however, that being said, in the first round, Max outlanded him on total strikes. Uh, there was one strike differentiator between significant strikes, and Max landed one of one takedowns that round. Uh, didn't get a ton of control. He only ended up with 10 seconds of control to 44 seconds of Jeremiah Wells. But with that control that Jeremiah Wells was able to establish, he didn't really do anything with it. So kind of negates that whole situation. You give the points for the takedown. The the control time really kind of negates each other, and then you go to the strikes. So that's a Max Griffin round for me, if I've ever seen one. Uh, going into the next round, you had Jeremiah Wells coming up with 56 seconds of control time to 14 seconds of Max Griffin. Uh, there were no takedowns. 
So it was it was through scramblings and things like that. Um, that being said, like when when you have clinch control, there's no takedowns or control time in general, and there's no takedowns. You do utilize that control time um, if the striking is super close. The striking in this round wasn't super close. It was 11 to 17 on significant strikes, or sorry, total strikes, and 10 to 17 on significant strikes, both in favor of Jeremiah Wells. You go to the last final round here. You had um, slightly more total strikes, so 12 to 19 total strikes in favor of Jeremiah Wells. However, the significant strikes, Max Griffin won 10 to 8. Also, higher significant strike accuracy, 52% clip. Also, a minute and 16 seconds of control time to zero. Uh, and mind you, he went 0 for 1 on his takedown. So he wasn't able to he wasn't able to land a takedown, but he established over a minute of control time in that last round. For me, that kind of put a stamp on it and sealed the deal for Max Griffin. Uh, playing matchmaker for Max Payne Griffin. Who do we want to see next for somebody that's like this, that's kind of a legend, but they're also aged out to a point to where you know they're never going to fight for a belt again? I wouldn't mind seeing him fight somebody like a Michael Chiesa, who is another legend that's in the top 15 that probably likely won't make another belt run, but deserves significant fights, like legend fights. Um, is there any names on the tip of your tongue for Max Payne Griffin? I definitely like that name a lot. Michael Chiesa is someone that's savage, someone that's a big name, um, can be on a main card event, and I'd love that look for Max Griffin. Uh, but another one I had, and I'm just using tapology here as my source for top 25, you know, fighters that are just highly ranked in that same kind of ballpark and someone who fits uh, similar criteria to your point, right? Like 30, uh, maybe on the other side of 35, maybe not making a title run, but is can still get a few good fights in them. I'm looking at a Gunnar Nelson as potentially somebody who has the name value. Stylistically, it's not a great matchup for a boy, Max Payne Griffin. But Gunnar Nelson at 35 years old has been around the block for quite some time. That can maybe get someone like a Max Payne Griffin up in the morning, knowing this is a tough challenge. It's a new one, uh, but it's a familiar old foe, friendly face, familiar face that um, has been in the Octagon in the UFC for quite some time. But that was a name that... I'm just doing a quick look would say, Hey, you know what? These are two guys that fit our criteria and what we're looking for. And Gunnar hasn't fought since his win over Brian Barbarena, uh, arm bar decision at UFC 286. That was back in March of last year. So we're approaching a year of him off. See him get back in the horse, man. See him get back in the octagon. I'm not bad at it, man. I actually really, really like the name that you said. I think Gunny Nelson might be a funner name than Michael Chiesa. He's basically Michael Chiesa late. Uh, so, I mean, I'm happy with it. And I also think that even though you said like it's not a great matchup for our guy Max Payne Griffin, Gunny fades whenever there are people that keep coming forward and refuse to back down. Max Griffin is that guy. Again, his fucking debut was against Colby Covington. So, I mean, this is just somebody that really has fought a who's who. Like he's fought your Carlos Condits, Neil Magnes, Tim Means of the world. Uh, and now your Jeremiah Wells and Michael Morales of the world. So yeah, I think Gunny Nelson would be a really, really fun one. Um, Lee the Leech would be a good one. Mad Max Meridian, shout out. Uh, he has not fought Lee the Leech uh, to my knowledge. I just did a quick run through. Doesn't look like he has. Doesn't look like he has. Um, I'd be happy to see that one though. I think that'd be a really, really fun matchup. And uh, with that being said, moving into another fun matchup, we had Devin the Brown Bear Clark coming in against Marcin Procnio Nano. 
My goodness, I'm glad we already did our shot on this one. So that way you can break down what happened to your boy. Man, I mean, the karate style was just too much for our boy Devin Clark, man. You know, he got hit in that perennial nerve. So he was down a leg halfway through that second round, still fought through through the third. I give him huge props. Also didn't realize this dude has tree trunks, his legs. I mean, my goodness, like dude's thighs are bigger than my head. And I got a big dome, ladies and gents. So that's saying a lot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I thought he had some decent success early, you know, was was having a hard time dealing with the stance switches uh, and the pressure of a Marcin Pracnio, again, fighting in that kind of karate sort of bouncy style, which is, is tricky. And, and it's it's not had a lot of success in the UFC or you tend to hear it get bashed a lot. But like a Wonderboy Thompson, like a karate hottie mommy um in michelle waterson gomez i mean it can if used the right way and marson was using it the right way man and again maybe i think that perennial nerve um getting hit on the back of the calf which basically makes you have like limp leg like your ankle starts to kind of roll over on, on itself you just lose almost all control of that thing um so what happened to sugar sean o'malley when he lost to chito vera um, so it, it's damaging. It's it's debilitating. So I, I give Devin Clark all the props for sticking in there. Uh, however, man, Marston just put on a clinic, brother. That karate was uh, he was a karate kid in there, brother. Just could not be defeated. So it was a fun one. I'll, I'll you know I'll pour my shot up because I was thinking the wrestler was going to get it done, but the striker prevails. So love that narrative. Love that story for Marston, man. And he needed it, man. He needed that win big time. And uh, great performance, and uh, it was a fun fight. What'd you think, brother? It was a fantastic fight. I uh, I had a feeling that your boy was going to struggle with the karate style, with the stand-up style of uh, Prochio. And, I mean, here's the thing that I, I didn't maybe allude to as much on the pre-show here, because, you know, sometimes I like to I like to let you walk your own stern path and learn the error of your ways, you know? Um, and this was one of those times. So... Marcin Braccio is one of those guys that doesn't have a number next to his name necessarily, but he damn well should, okay? Because if you look at his record, he has fought at least two guys that are in the top 10, and one of them is damn near top five material, right? He has fought a fucking who's who. He's fought Vitor Petrino. He's fought Khalil Roundtree Jr. By the way, he beat him. He beat Khalil Roundtree Jr., okay, folks? Uh, Khalil Roundtree is almost number five. He's like number six, isn't he? Uh, let's see. Where's the fucking rankings tab here? Uh, he's number eight. So, again, talk about a top ten person. You know who else he's fought? Magomed Ankalaev. That guy's top three. He's literally ranked number three in light heavyweight. So, what should be next for him? What should be next for him uh first let's see what mad max meridian says here all about application of technique best bit ever is jake whatever going karate huh then getting wrecked by wonder boy yeah pretty much it's a fact you, you love seeing that shit uh i was gonna say it was ellenberger right okay he actually said it in the chat yeah ellenberger jake ellenberger um i remember that he got fucking blasted by some karate um he probably ended up getting picked up by the karate bus after that fight Took some lessons over at uh, Wonder Boy's dad's shop. So, um, shout out to Wonder Boy. Shout out Karate Stance. And shout out fucking Marcin Procneo. What is next for the dog? Marcin Procneo. I'm sorry. The lion. Marcin Procneo, folks. Um, I'll tell you what's next for him. I think it's another lion. Okay? I think Nikita Krylov 
would be a fun matchup. Both guys have a very fun style that they bring. But if the fight goes to the mats, you know that both guys can probably handle their own there too. We've seen it happen in majority of their fights. Uh, if someone is willing to play push comes to shove, they're willing to engage in that in that fight. So I think that they would negate each other with the grappling skills, and it would be a mostly stand-up banger. And uh, I think Nikita Krylov hits really hard. I think Marcin Praknio hits really hard. I think they both have really great distance and range management. And um, it would make for a stylistic just pleasure of a match. I like that one, brother. I like that one a lot. I don't really have any other names at the top of my head, so I think I'm just going to double down on that one. I think you did good. Love that. Uh, I that. have a second name on my hands. I, I poured up a shot so that way you're not alone here. The second name that I had on my list, um, fans fans of Bogdan Guskov are not going to like this one. Anthony Smith, I think, would be a really fun matchup for the kid. Oh, okay. That'll be a good one. It's not as fun as Nikita Krylov, I admit. But if Nikita says no, number 10 is a more reasonable ask for an unranked opponent to take. And Anthony isn't exactly in a spot to make demands. So to great fights, great nights, and better picks. It's been a rough start for the year. I. Only way, only way, only way to go is up from here, baby. That's right. Uh, the only way out is through, you know. So that's right. Moving into the next one, folks. Uh, this one was no different. <sighs> Fucking hell! I was wrong on this one. I was wrong on this one. You and you and the guy, you and the kid, Mad Max. This was another one that you guys did a shot a shot bet on, but you were right for sure on this one. So uh, it's all good. You guys both bet on Luma look upon me, and uh, now you get to Luma laugh at me because uh, I was fucking wrong. Got egg on my face on this one. Bruna Brazil is uh, is not the one, man. Um, it was a close match. I didn't think it was one-way traffic at all when it comes to this fight. Intrigued to, to hear kind of how you thought your girl Luma look upon me did. I don't disagree with the decision at all. I thought Luma look upon me won... Honestly, at least two out of three rounds. Um, Bruno Brazil did have quite a bit of control time in that last round, almost two minutes, just a little bit shy of uh, two minutes of control time there. So, a little look while me gets it done, man. Um, she was a lot more aggressive than I thought she was going to be. I thought that she'd be on the back foot a lot more than she was, but she was leading the dance far more often than she was not. I can tell you that. Uh, the forward pressure of Loma look while me. Proved to be the differentiator that I did not fucking anticipate being there. So, um, again, egg on my face. It is what it is. Bruno Brazil. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not bitter, but I probably won't better again. You know, not bitter, but I won't better. Not out to you. <laughs> I love it, brother. That was smooth. That was smooth like butter. Yeah, man. I mean, L- Loma, Luke, Boon, me. Uh, wow. I mean, what an impressive performance. What an impressive striker she is. Really poised in the pocket, really poised and and really good at knowing her footwork and her spacing. Felt that was really the key here. Um, Bruna Brazil was not able to use her length the way she would have liked. And again, I think she was fearful of some of those leg strikes. Yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, you're going to take one to get one, but when you're getting leg kicked in the head multiple times, you know, time after time, I don't care if you're blocking with your arms. Your arms start to feel like noodles after a while. I mean, they don't, you know, they only can do so much for so long. Uh, and it did feel 
Like it was close in that first round. Loma edged it out with that takedown. Uh, and then she really pulled away in the second round. I felt like doubled her opponent, Bruna Brazil, in strikes. Uh, and again, it just felt like Bruna just was not able to solve that puzzle. Again, when when someone's throwing so many different types of strikes and not, uh, what is it? I mean, not you know showing any signs, not um, you know fainting here and there, but everything she was throwing was from the hip with with no, nothing to show for it, no signs that Bruna can pick up on. So it was tough. She almost looked like a sin duck out there after a while. Um, and again, that's compliments to Loma and her style and that compact frame, but that ability to and willingness to throw those leg strikes and um, be the more active and, and more tactical fighter. Uh, I was impressed with her skill set and what she proved here. Uh, and the women's strawweight, man, they got another one. You know, they got another tough, talented up and comer who, you know, it's tough to play matchmaker with at this point, but. I mean, it's also tough to not say, hey, maybe throw in there against anybody in the top 15. I mean, it's a she's a good name. She's a great striker. I don't know if maybe she's one fight away from that top 15. Maybe that's a more realistic outlook for Loma. Um, but I was definitely impressed with her performance and excited to see what's next for Loma Lukbunmi. And I just like saying her name. <laughs> it is an extremely fun name to say. Yeah, it's definitely just a, a fun name to say. Loma Lukbunmi. Uh, so yeah, man, um, I was wrong on that one. I'll have to pour up one. We'll wait until it's time for you to do a shot. That way we can do it together and we're not doubling down on these uh, every single fucking time. So, uh, moving into the next one, we had a guy that we actually agreed on, which is a rare occasion. Uh, you love to see that. Balaji Oki. He, he looked pretty okay to me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Balaji looked pretty okay if you ask me. Um, had me singing, Balaji, are you okay? Are you okay, Balaji? Um, you've been hit by, you've been struck by, Balaji, okay. Timothy Kwamba, though, he was he was game. He was coming forward. Uh, even though he was landing at about a half half the clip of Balaji, okay, uh, he was still, he was hitting hard. And he was hitting hard from a weight class down. Uh, let's not forget that. I hope this kid gets another chance to come in and fight at featherweight where he belongs. He did look undersized in there. And the fact that he was coming up from featherweight and was able to deal the damage he was to Oki has me both impressed by Timothy Kwamba and worried for Balaji Oki when he does fight a lightweight banger. Uh, because as you know, in the lightweight division, folks, we've just, I mean, it's a fucking killer's row. Like if this dude breaks into the top 15 at the end, at the ass end of the top 15, do you know who's waiting for him? It's a young man with a crimson chin named Drew Dober. Um, you'll want that if if uh, if the fucking featherweight's putting it on you, bud. So it's uh, it was a bit of a double edged sword here. I'm glad we got it right, but it was it was, it was a telling. I'm glad we got it right, but it was a bit of a telling fight, you know. Uh, so 61 strikes to 35 in far total strikes, uh, 60 to 33 in regards to significant strikes, and Oki only attempted one takedown. He did go 100 on that one for one. Um. I was surprised that he didn't go to the well a little bit more for those takedowns. Uh, but yeah, curious to hear your thoughts on how the guy did. Mr. Balaje, uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I did a pretty okay in there, man. I thought did Balaji did pretty okay. Uh, like you said, it was it was a last minute opponent. Someone stepping up away class. Really, you just don't know, don't know what to expect. So I think as uh, I mean, I feel like as a competitor, as a fighter, I would probably be a little bit more reserved. You're not going to go on there and just assume this guy's a walk in the park. You got to 
tread a bit lightly. And I think that's what he did in that first round. Um, although, you know, landed 30 strikes, certainly maybe um, was able to find those openings and realize, you know what, I might as well just you know stick to the game plan. I had a full camp. This guy's coming in on short notice. Let me put it on him. Let him know that, hey, uh, this ain't your night, pal. And he did exactly that, was able to uh, get through some of those takedowns uh, that Timmy was trying to land in that second round. That was really the uh, story that, there. Uh, four for one, or one out of four, excuse me, all over the place, um, which, you know, I think not ideal. Um, maybe could you say you won him that round just in terms of being more busy, but then, uh, you know, Balaji really stole the show and left the judges, made it an obvious choice that he was going to be the winner there in the third round by out striking his opponent. And again, just leading the dance, looking like the stronger guy, came in with the full camp. But again, to your point, brother, we shouldn't look at this as a knock on Timmy Kwamba. It was a split decision, which I kind of thought was interesting. Um, so that in and of itself tells me, hey, you know, this Timmy Kwamba guy is probably a legitimate dude who can maybe be a lightweight guy tweener or a tough featherweight contender. Uh, but Balaji Oki, man, he's someone from Belgium that you don't hear a lot about, honestly. Um, but the look, man, kind of resembles that Mark Randall back in the day or Kevin Randleman, um, that kind of, uh, you know, just buff, blonde, shredded individual. Uh, I like it, man. I like what I saw from him. And, you know, maybe another fight or two away from a top 15 shot. The lightweight division is stacked, but curious to see uh, what's next for the kid here in 2024. Definitely curious to hear what's next for the kid in 2024. As you said, um, I'm not going to play matchmaker for him because I'm, I'm, I'm scared, man. I'm scared for this kid in the lightweight division. I think I got to agree with Mad Max Meridian here. He said, uh, you know, Oki was super pumped. And I was like, eh, I want to pump the brakes after that performance. It was against a guy that was smaller than you on short notice. Uh, check, check, check the fucking record there, but take a step back. Um, love to see him in there against the lightweight and see how he does. Uh, also, you know, he was. Uh, he was also fighting someone on short notice. Maybe he just had a different game plan, right? So uh, a lot of different adjustments to be made there. I'm here for it. I'm here for the next fight. Um, you know, I'll be watching this kid like a hawk in the sky to see if he's the next big thing. Speaking of the next big thing, Trevin five-star Giles coming in against Carlos Pretez. I think we both were on Pretez on this one. Um, I think we did the gun to our head choice because we kind of wanted to stay away from this one a little bit. Uh, seemed like it was the move to make because, fuck, man, Carlos Pretez was getting worked up in that bitch, bro. He was, uh, he was down. He was down. Like a clown, Charlie Brown. He was down two to one almost on strikes here. Uh, and his opponent was landing at a significant, significant clip. Um, I don't know if you've looked at the stats here, Nano, but Trevin Five Star Giles. Yeah. Trevin Five Star Giles, he's a five star fighter, in my opinion, man. He was landing at a 66 plus percent clip. That's fucking wild in the UFC. Uh, when you get to this stage, obviously there's there's a couple of things like people might be glossing their eyes over. Like, well, I mean, you're at the best the fight promotion in the world. What do you mean you can't land a 66 percent clip? That should be normal. Uh, you should be a pretty accurate fighter, right? But you're fighting people that are fucking good at defense, right? So it makes it hard for you to have over a 50 percent clip. That's why in the last like five fights we talked about, the worst guy or gal had a 33 percent clip. The better guy had like a 40 or 50 percent clip at best. 66.6 is fucking wild, brother. So. Hands down, uh, one of the funner fights on the card, in my opinion, my humble opinion here. I really enjoyed watching this one. Trevin Giles was putting it on him. 
But I digress. Carlos Pretez, the guy was just, uh, he was tough. And I honestly don't know if it was uh, just kind of a situational thing or what. I tried going back and rewatching this one. Does anybody have a better fucking like replay angle of that knockout? I only see the one angle that they kept showing, and it cuts right as the shot lands. And to me, it looks like he hit him in the throat. Like, it was hard to see where the punch landed. It looked like a straight left cross to the throat. Um, I'm literally watching it on repeat. I've just probably watched it about 60 times. Uh, so it, it's still, to me, I can't tell where it lands, no matter how many times I watch it. It looks like he just takes a step back, pumps the jab out there, and then as soon as the jab gets at full range, not even full range, like four four fifths range, he just like corks the left hand out straight. And it looks like the left hand just turns right down angled and just clips right under the chin. Um, yeah, it's just an interesting shot, man. If it did hit right on the chin, I mean, the guy's got fucking kryptonite in his in his gloves because you don't usually see Trevin Giles get put away like that. And he put him away pretty fucking stiff. Um, you could see his like he didn't go to sleep, which is why I thought it was a throw shot because it looked like it just stunned him and I, I don't like this is going to be a bad analogy or a bad descriptive kind of uh description here but visual description it just looks like he made trevin giles's brain backfire for a half second um you see his eyes widen as he's going down like what the fuck was that but he's not asleep and then he hits the mat and i think he tells the ref like i'm okay i'm okay like it was it was a it was a pretty wild knockout. Like as an MMA fan, it was stunning to watch. Um, curious to hear your thoughts on that. Did you think it hit him in the throat? Did had it like what was your instant reaction to that knockout? I mean, my instant reaction was holy crap! You got knocked the out. <laughs> uh, that was impressive. I mean, like you said, Trevor Giles was looking good. He was looking like he was leading the dance most of that fight. Uh, it was defensive. They were going back and forth. I did like how Carlos um, Prates was light on his foot. He kind of had that light Muay Thai stance, but he did just look a little less strong or not as strong or not as um, just like intimidating or not as forceful in the octagon. In some of those exchanges, he looked to be getting more affected by some of Trevin's punches. Uh, when he tried to tie him up, he'd you know get pushed up against the wall or the octagon fence, I should say. I just felt like if it were going to keep going... And if Trevin was going to maybe have his foot on the gas a little bit more, I thought he could have found a, a path to victory there. What I did not see happen was that strike, man. I mean, that cross coming right down the pipe. To answer your question, I mean, it, it felt like it was somewhere on the chin. I mean, it was a flash knockout, right? Maybe just enough. It doesn't take too much uh, effort or, you know, it could all it takes is a knuckle on the right spot there on the chin to put the lights out. But uh, it just felt like that car that Carlos brought this man. He knows how to strike. He got every bit of that punch. He fully extended over, you know, got um, turned his hand over and it was right on the chin, right on the moneymaker and put the lights out of Trevin Giles. I mean, it, I think it even startled Trevin like himself. I think he, Trevin was looking at it like, what the hell just happened? I was just I was just winning this fight. Now I'm not. Um, and that's the name of the game, and that's how small the margin of victory is for these individuals getting in this octagon every Saturday. It's it's it's, it's that freaking close, man. You never freaking know. And uh, boy, I give him all the props in the world. He looked great. He doesn't lose any stock in my book. 
But Carlos Prates certainly does gain some stock in my book as well, because to be able to put someone out like that is special. I mean, that's not an easy thing to do. That was impressive, man. Regardless of the stats, which certainly shocked me a little bit to see that, uh, yeah, Carlos was almost um, outstruck uh, two to one. Like he had twice as, uh, Trevin had twice as many punches on Carlos as he did, I should say. I'm trying to find the best way to word that. But um, yeah, man, great fight. He won performance of the night. Carlos did well-deserved. That was a fantastic knockout and it was unexpected and he might've needed it. Cause he was losing that fight up until then, in my opinion. So the fun one. I would definitely say that he needed it. It was a hell of a comeback. I mean, call that, call that dude, the comeback kid, because as you said, he needed it and he made it fucking happen. So good on him. Um, I'll definitely be there watching his next one. Uh, he pulled the rabbit out of the hat when he absolutely needed it the most. I'm not going to play matchmaker for him. I do think he's a little bit too fresh for us to be doing that. Um, in, in fact, I think Trevin Giles was probably a very nice, uh, bountiful opponent for them to give him uh, at this stage of his career. So we'll see who they stack him up against next. Either way, I will be here to enjoy it. Uh, moving into the main card, as you know, we had a couple of fights get canceled. We had Danny Ego supposed to fight Lerone Murphy. Got canceled, but it's okay. He ended up fighting someone else. We'll go over that in a little bit. You already know. Um, if if you did watch the fight, it, it went a little something like... It was nasty. Uh, so, another fight we were supposed to have was Robert Brickchick coming in against Albert Dereyev, but that one got changed as well. And instead, we had Mr. Robert Brickchick come in against Ihor Poteria. We'll go over that one in a minute, too. So, we're going to go ahead and start off this uh, this main card. With, uh, fuck, one I think we both have to do a shot on. This is, we both had Armin, huh? Fucking hell. I think so. I think so. God damn, dude. Petrosian really shit the money bet on this one. Um, I'm just going to call a spade a spade here. He was supposed to win this fight. I literally said, you could, you could check the record, bud. Uh, in the episode last week, I think my exact words were, Armin Petrosian wins this fight as long as he doesn't get subbed in the first round. What do you fucking know? What do you know, kid? There was 12 whole seconds left. 12 whole seconds. That's that many. That many. There were 12 seconds left. And this dude fucking just got put away. Ay, ay, ay. I hate to see it. They were dead even on strikes. Um, Again, Rodolfo Vieira, the BJJ guy, landing at a fucking 66.7% clip. Um, Just just impeccable uh this is the best Adolfo's ever looked i was very impressed with him i'm gonna sound a bit like a broken record but you know fool me once shame on uh you fool me twice shame on me this is the second time i lost money on Adolfo Vieira. um the first time i bet on him this time i bet against him next time we won't fucking bet on any of his fights. Uh, <laughs> he's just, he's one of those guys, man. I uh, i don't know that he's going to be able to beat the top, the upper echelon of competition in this fucking fight card. So I'm worried about him as he, as he moves up the ladder. Uh, shout out Mad Max Meridian. Appreciate you joining us tonight. Have a great day at work tomorrow. And uh, we'll see you in the episode on Thursday. Hopefully my guy will be breaking down UFC 298. 
if you want to guest star on that episode, just fucking holler at your boys. Let us know, brother. We we we, we might be down for that. Um, so yeah, man, Rodolfo Rodolfo Vieira really put it on our guy Armand Sarukian. Not Armand Sarukian. Armand Petrosian. There's there's some Armand warriors. You know what I'm saying? We got some real Armand hammers in the UFC these days. Um, that was a bad joke. Armand hammer might be a little bit. Maybe a little bit before your time, kids. Um, but we do have some arm and hammers in the UFC, and we have a shot to do because of one of them. Let's do this shot and have you break down this fucking Armin Petrosian upset. Nanokins. No, can you hear me? I can't. Lost audio there for a second. Are, are you with us? Are you with us? <laughs> I am back. I think I'm still in the days from that freaking loss from AP, man. Armand Petrosian. Just like him, I'm still getting my wits about me. But don't, don't call to... him AP, man. That's what we call my Muay Thai coach. We can't, we can't put that disrespect on <laughs> Coach AP. Respect. Our man. My bad. My bad, Coach. That's funny because that's the Raiders coach, Coach AP as well. So I'm going to put way more respect on Coach AP's name. Come on You're now. You're a Raiders guy, baby. Let's go. You got two Coach APs, brother. Got two but Coach yeah, APs. Man. I was, I mean, disappointed. It, it was a back and forth fight, but Rodolfo just, uh, just a bowling ball, right? Coming down the, <laughs> coming down the lane, brother. You don't want to get in front of that man. And and it feels like he's like a perfect example of, of a lion, right? Or just somebody you don't want to stare in the eyes. You don't want to be right in front of him. You kind of have to do that bowl. Ole, <laughs> get away from him, bro. Hey, you scared me there. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, he's a dog. I mean, he his ground game is next level. And he's like a perfect example of a fighter that strikes just enough, uses some of that athleticism, some of his just strength, his muscles, but his ability to generate power to get people to the ground. Like it's like he does just enough striking to get you down or to get a grip of you, get you get you down and, and have his way with you, man. I mean, he is an absolute specialist. Yeah, I would not want to fight this guy. Hey, he's a problem, right? And, and he throws an absolute monkey wrench in this middleweight division. He's someone that stylistically you just don't want to see. He's tough as nails. He can strike just as about as good as anybody in the division. And, man, when it get, comes to the ground game, I mean, he's one of the slickest that is out there, uh, especially right now in the UFC. I mean, nine of his 10 wins are by submission. We've been talking about a lot of these Brazilians stepping up as of recently, I mean, this guy's good, man. I mean, he did lose to a Chris Curtis back in June 25 of 2022. But since then, man, he's been an, on an absolute tear. Beating Cody Brundage, now this win over Arm- Armin Petrosian. Excited to see what's next for him, man. I don't know if a top 15 is is what's on the docket for Dana White and the boys. I would love to see it personally. I think he's worthy. I think he's talented enough. Does he get the opportunity? Only Lord knows, and Dana White being Lord. Lord Dana is the only one that can answer that question. Um, but I think he's ready. If not, maybe one more. Just maybe he doesn't get that nod, unfortunately. But, dude, 10 wins, 9 submissions. Uh, I mean, what more, what, what more test does he need to pass, right? I mean, feels like that's where he needs to be going. Yeah, same. Um, I, I definitely think that that's where he's going. And honestly... At the risk of sounding like a like a filthy casual myself, um, I'm gonna throw it out there. I think he's actually ready for the top fifteen. If if the rumors are true, right? And um, come on, guys, like 
We got Colby Covington, or not Colby Covington. We got a uh, fucking Hamzat Shemaev about the fight for the welterweight belt. He's not even ranked in welterweight. He's ranked 11th in middleweight, though. I personally would rather see Rodolfo Vieira, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu specialist, fight a grappling specialist like Hamzat Shemaev to see how that pans out for him. Uh, I don't think that's a crazy fucking ask either. Or maybe a Paul Craig. Or maybe, uh, I don't know, Anthony Hernandez. Maybe a Kyle Barreiro. Uh, I just think anyone ranked 10 to 15 makes sense for our guy, Rodolfo Vieira. He, sh- he shot my fucking mouth this weekend, kid. Um, he proved me wrong. He shot my mouth. And uh, yeah, man, I fucking love to see it. I, you know, I'm not mad whenever I, I lose a bet, you know, I, especially if it teaches me something about this fighter. And boy, oh boy, it taught me something about this fighter. So. Um, I love to see it. This next one was one that I know that you got wrong and I got right, which is why I saved a shot from the prelims to do with you. (sighs) I just want to say it's convenient. You know, we'll have to play this. We'll have to clip this and play this for Mad Max Meridian tomorrow. I just want to say it's a bit convenient that Mad Max Meridian dipped out one fight before it was time for him to do his shot that he was wrong with you on. I'm just, I mean, I'm just saying guys. I'm just saying, I, uh, you know, I'm not trying to be a dick, but uh, come on. Come on. Can I give a round of applause if this is facts? Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Coincidence? I think not. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> Dude, how many times did we use that fucking gift from The Incredibles at Yelp? <laughs> Brother, I mean, I would say on a weekly basis, probably 20 times a week. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best. Oh, that was the best. That's the best. My favorite. Uh, classic. Good times. Um, also, t-shirt design idea that came to me today. So we always use the handshake gif of like Dylan, you son of a bitch. Fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger. R.I.P. Uh, Carl Weathers, but yes. R.I.P. Carl Weathers. We are going to get a picture of us doing that, and that's gonna be a t-shirt. Yes. Okay. I like it. Arms, bro. So I guess I do an arm day. Nothing but arm day till then. Nothing but arm day (laughs) till then. Let's go. Fun fact uh, while I pour up this shot in our team meeting today, uh, my my boss's boss was like, guys, we just announced that we're going to do a big team, like company thing, or not a team thing, a company thing in June. So entire org is going to get together in June. And he's also, uh, you know, mark the dates that you're available that work for you in June. I mean, June's a long way out. Like, does anybody even have anything planned in June? Instantly, I'm all. He's all, <laughs> all right. Owen's apparently got something planned. I'm sure it's UFC related. Bro, I fucking almost pissed my pants, like my pants, bro. Like, it was, he's like, I'm sure it's yeah. UFC related. And I'm all. I mean,. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Um, and he's like, "Well, if everyone else happens to be available the one weekend uh, that, or the one week Olin isn't, Olin, if you miss it, it's understandable, I guess." And I'm all, I didn't come off mute the entire time, but I'm just like, as long as you know, <laughs> like, that's the case. <laughs> Not missing International Fight Week, brother. Uh, you can send me the fucking memo. <laughs> oh, man. Facts, um, brother. I love it. The commitment. 
I'm out. You know what I'm saying? We uh, after last year, literally me and Mary on the drive home. I was like, did you have a good time? She's like, I had the best. Like, I had a blast. And then she said she wanted to start training in MMA, which Muay Thai was great today. Um, shout out. And uh, yeah, dude, like we we agreed after the first time how fucking amazing it was. We're like, we will do this every year. It's one week out of the year. There are 52 weeks a year for us to deal with all the other bullshit of life. Like, this is dope. As long as I don't go this year and it's a shit show, like I'm, I'm going every year, brother. And I That's can't wait it. for you to experience it. It's going to be a fucking blast. And uh, with that being said, got a handful more fights to break down here, folks. So we are going to jump right into it. Uh, but first, you got that poured up? I do, but I just spilled like half of it. Let me re-pour. Michael <laughs> Johnson pack. People, people like to say I'm smoking on that such and such pack. Sounds like that uh, Michael Johnson pack smoking on you, brother. I ah, did. <laughs> I got got. By that MJ pack is loud. <laughs> Congratulations. You played yourself. You played yourself. Wrecking mistake. Cheers, y'all. Cheers. To, to the old dogs getting it done. To them old dogs teaching them young young calves something new. Old dog got a lot of biting in that. Sometimes, you know, they, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? Um and that's how I'm going to lead into this one, right? So we're going to go ahead and talk about Michael Johnson, the menace, coming in against Darius Flowers. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Let me tell you a couple things right now about Michael Johnson. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but I'm here to tell you when they're fighting some flowers, you don't need to teach them new tricks. They already know how to piss on them flowers. You know what I'm saying? Um, all jokes aside, Michael Johnson came out there and showed this young man that this is his octagon and this is his fucking game, kids. Um, he went out there and landed 80 to 52 shots, but 61 to 33 significant strikes. He went out there with a very boxing-heavy influence. And not only that, but <laughs> I, I think I may have alluded to this in last week's episode. We might see a vintage Michael Johnson. A Michael Johnson that's able to pull out all stops and utilize different aspects of the game. What did he do? Four for eight on takedowns. He went out there and put it on this young man from start to finish. He knew that he was not going to fight, be able to fight a one-dimensional fight. And so what did he do? He didn't fight a one-dimensional fight. He went out there and mixed the martial arts. And that's what we're doing. We're playing mixed martial arts here, folks. So... He got uh, two minutes and 12 seconds of control time off of two takedowns in the second round. Uh, only six seconds of control time in the first round off that first takedown. But, my gosh, he is like a whiskey. He is like a wine. He is like a man that is fucking divine. He just gets better with time, folks. Michael, the menace Johnson. More like Michael the Madman Johnson because with one takedown in round one, he got six seconds of control time. With two takedowns in round two, he got two minutes and 12 seconds. As you can see, he's like from Marvel's comics, an adaptoid. He gets better. He learns how to fight his specimen, his prey, and adapts across the rounds of the fight. And that's exactly what he did in this one. So in the third round, he really made the most of it, right? He got one takedown, but got three minutes and 44 seconds of Control time, folks. Um, that is a lot of control time, just in case you're not sure. Uh, I'll go ahead and break it down for you. Okay, so three minutes and 44 seconds of control time out of a five-minute round, 
you're talking about 70-ish percent. I'll do the math real quick while Nano's doing his breakdown here. But it's a lot, okay? He controlled a vast majority of that round. And that's exactly how he got the win. Um, unanimous decision win. There was no way in hell that they were going to give that fight to Darius Flowers. Every single round of that fight, I thought Michael Johnson won. Even in the one round where Darius Flowers outlanded him, 21 to 8, which is pretty significant, outlanding. Um, you can't give him that round if he had 38 seconds of control to 3 minutes and 44 seconds. Can you? Not a fucking chance. No. Like, did, like honestly, visually, without looking at numbers, without looking at his stats, did you think Darius Flowers won that third round at all? He, I mean... He landed no. some shots, but yeah. he, I didn't think he won the round. No, no, there's more to it than just the strikes. It's it's how purposeful are they? How do you look responding to the strikes that you're getting hit with? I mean, there's a lot of things that you got to factor in there. And Michael Johnson, like, even the significant strikes... <coughs> pardon me. Um... This is something that I complain about a lot, and it might sound like I'm being biased, but I promise you I'm not being biased. I just, because I've done this, I've trained in this, I've I've seen this, and I've watched this sport for over 20 years now, guys. When there's a Nate Diaz, a Nick Diaz, a Dustin Poirier, which I will admit I am a bit biased over um, as I stare intensely at the mic here, Uh, guys, I know that I might be a bit biased when it comes to Dustin Poirier, but... I mentioned those three names because when it comes to getting punched, you'll be hard-pressed to find three better names at doing that, right? They roll with the punches. They eat the shots well. And so a significant-looking shot that moves their head, it's because they're moving their head right before it hits them. So that way it takes off the steam, the pressure, the force. Now, in this fight that we're going over right now, Michael Johnson actually did that very well. So... I would argue to say, I would venture to say that the 21 total strikes, six that were significant, probably not even six of them were significant strikes. He was rolling his head with those shots. Um, when he was going to the body, that's when I thought he was doing well, uh, but he just didn't do it enough. So Michael Johnson, great, great fucking showing for him. But um, man, what were your thoughts? What were your thoughts on Michael Johnson's performance overall, start to finish in this fight? Yeah, brother. I mean, you hit all the nails perfectly on the head. I think I'll just add additional color and just say that he put on a clinic. I mean, he it was a type of performance that you would love to see from a, a grizzled veteran. You know, it, he almost turned back the clock a little bit, right? It was a little bit of vintage Michael Johnson, which I remember us saying, are we going to see that? Can he turn back the clock a little bit? And he was able to. Luckily, he had a dance partner in front of him, Darius Flowers, who frankly is just a bit you know, green behind the gills, just not that, not a lot of acting on time, I'd say, right? And he's going in there against somebody who has probably the most, not if not acting on time, which I know he doesn't have the most acting on time, but just in terms of sparring, in terms of rounds, in terms of just minutes in fighting scenarios, Michael Johnson is up there with, I mean, some of the old timers. This guy has been around the block for a long time, active, if not actively uh fighting in the ufc he's been actively sparring he's been actively training with all of the greats helping them sharpen themselves like a dustin poirier uh like a jorge masvidal i mean kobe covington all these dudes out of florida but yeah man i mean i love what i saw from michael johnson he's absolute savage again and he knew how to put together a a well coached a well executed 
fight game plan for 15 minutes. He was taking him down when he needed to. He knew he was up two one or two rounds going in that last. And even if you don't know for sure, he still did the best he could to stay out of out of range, stay out of the fire zone, but still come home with that victory. Still get enough to edge out that win, uh, to win that round, to make himself the obvious choice here for the victor in this uh, outing. But again, it was. I love what I saw from him, man. I mean, and, and he was not a heavy favorite going into it by any means. This Darius Flowers is, is someone that's has all of his you know career to fight for, everything in front of him. But again, he's he was unfortunately in there with a Michael Johnson that's just seen it all, done it all, been through it all, and uh, just another notch on his belt there. Unfortunately, but uh, like you also put here, seventy four point six percent control time in round three for Michael Johnson. I mean. What more do you need to see to put that exclamation point on a victory? That's how you do it right there. Yeah, I mean, like 74.66 repeating percent control time for Michael Johnson is just absolutely insane. And um, guys, 10 years ago today, we were gearing up to watch John Jones versus Chael Sonnen. And Chael Sonnen had such a great line in The Ultimate Fighter. In the buildup, he said, Look, John, I don't need to fight you. I'm the highest paid fighter in the UFC. I shatter pay per views and television records. I don't need to beat you up, John. I just want to. Um, they'll just never make another man like, like Chael Sonnen. I think we can call a spade a spade there, folks. Chael Sonnen is arguably the best mouthpiece the UFC has ever and will ever see. Um, I say by far, up until this point, the best. Best shit yeah, talker, I, best guy on the microphone, by far. If you say you're Connor, Sean, you're wrong. <laughs> you're a big Sugar Sean fan, right? Uh, I do love Sugar. He was on a podcast, I want to say, last week, and he literally was asked, like, is there anything that you would that you wish you were better at when it comes to fighting? And he said, I wish I was better on the mic. Was he it said, with I him know in I a- can improve. Mighty Mouse was it? Mighty Mouse's podcast that he was on. Or? Mighty Mouse's podcast. Yeah, I just saw clips of it. Uh, but he's like, you know, I, I know, I know, my mouthpiece can improve. Yeah. He's like, I, I wish that I was quick on my feet and, and had a like the quick rhetoric that some others have. He's like, like you look at Chel Son and Chel Son and like you give that man a mic and he'll sell a pay per view. Uh, yeah. It's true, dude. Like Chel Son was arguably and will always be one of the greatest. Men on the mic that we have ever seen and will ever see. Um, he's simply that guy, right? So, yeah. Um, give a round of applause to Chael. The best to ever do it. And probably the best there ever will be to do it, folks. Um, and moving into this, we are still going over Michael Johnson versus Darius Flowers. Now, do you have a name on the tip of your tongue for Michael Johnson? Because I do. I do not, but I want to hear your name. Oh, man. Oh, Don't man. leave me hanging. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Ooh, you've been hot today. You were swinging a hot bat now. What do we got? I'm swinging a very, very hot bat here. I got lean, mean, Bobby Green. Uh, give me Michael Johnson versus Bobby Green, folks. I think... Like that just that's come on. Come like on. How, how has that not happened already? Right. In the words of Ricky Bobby, if they announce this fight, 
I'm harder than a diamond in an ice storm right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, it's pretty hot, um, brother. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty hot. It's pretty fucking hot. Um, it's pretty hot. Uh, so, yeah, dude. I uh, Give me that fight all fucking day. I think Bobby Green versus Michael Johnson. It would literally be just a boxer's delight. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm there all day for it. I'm there all day for it, baby. Um, I think both those guys have some of the better boxing in the UFC, let alone the lightweight division. Um, or rather, the lightweight division, let alone the UFC. Um, it would it would just be a striker's delight. If there's another name that I had to pick, I would say maybe Dan Hooker, if he loses another fight, give him to Michael Johnson again. Strikers delight. Two guys that are willing to go out on their shields. Not going to be a fight where somebody pulls guard. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so <laughs> give me give me either of those fights, but more so that Lee me and Bobby Green one. I think that one's just got fireworks written all over it. What do you think, brother? Man, I do like that a lot. That's interesting to me. I was not expecting you to go that direction, but I like it. I mean, it, it feels like Michael Johnson, if anyone deserves... A, a crack in the top 15 you know he is the guy but i'll tell you what man another guy that i don't know if he's still fighting or not i'm trying to quickly look it up and it sucks because he's on a three fight losing streak one of them being no chase hooper which is crazy to see but our boy clay guida a little bit of a of a og matchup here is where i'm leaning for michael johnson but maybe i'm discrediting what he just did in the octagon maybe he needs to be moved forward in which case if not a Bobby Green, maybe you do an RDA. Another old school legend. Probably should have fought already. Had that number 11 on the line. RDA would sign up for that one. I like it. Would he, though? <laughs> I mean, probably not. Probably not. RDA's really been trying to get them title shots, brother. Um, I, know, I know. He wants one. And I don't I'm not think mad if he beats. I think, it's a, yeah. I think it's a great one. He, he wouldn't want to do that favor for the UFC. He would, if I'm RDA, that is. You're trying to look at the top five or anyone in the top 10. He's only at 11 currently. So if it ain't top five, it's, uh, it's money. It's drive. <laughs> Moicano wants money. I like it. I give him his fucking money. You know, me and my dad, uh, we don't agree on a ton of things, but one thing that my dad says that I know holds true every fucking day of the week is, sh you know, shit talks, money walks. So, uh, you know, show me that money and I'll walk, I'll walk in the right direction, brother. Uh, so, show him the money and he might be there for it. Uh, speaking of money and being there for it, oh man, I got a debt to pay here. I got a debt to pay here, folks. I, uh, man. Brad Tavares came in there and he let me down against the RoboCap. I uh, I don't like it, but it happened. And you know what's crazy is like the the worst thing about it is I don't mind being wrong if it's logical, but this shit was not logical, brother. Um, <laughs> RoboCap Rodriguez is not supposed to win in a third round. He's supposed to get the early knockout, like first or second. This is like an unders, like you know how flyweight unders is a thing. There should be a category called Gregory Rodriguez unders. Um, and they hit nine out of ten times. This just happened to be the fucking the tenth time, the one out of ten that they don't hit. Folks, gosh darn it. Gregory Rodriguez, the mother effing Robocop. 
79 total strikes uh, from a middleweight that's built like a heavyweight. Uh, and honestly, like I, I don't understand. Like his gas tank is a, is an MMA anomaly. The way that he throws shots, I mean, it's like the way that I threw shots whenever I would, whenever I like did my one tournament, and it's why I'm not a fighter. <laughs> I'm a bottle rocket at best, you know. When it comes to fireworks, there are many different kinds. The bottle rocket, it doesn't last very long, but it's a fan favorite. Why? Why, you ask? Because it's exciting. Uh, and, and, you know, that was always my MO. I'm going to throw hard, but I'm not going to throw long um, because that's not how throwing hard works. You know, you're going to tire yourself out. It's like a Prius versus a Hemi. The Hemi is going to have a lot better acceleration, a lot better top speed. Uh, a lot more frequent trips to the gas station to fill up. A lot more expensive uh, of a ride. A lot more taxing, so to speak. You know, in a sprint, Dodge Ram with the Hemi, probably going to beat the Prius. Uh, in a world race, you know, uh, maybe the Prius does better, you know, because uh, fuel efficiency. So in this, I just simply thought, the Prius and Brad Tavares was going to win. But I'll be damned if, uh, you know, I don't know if maybe the Hemi took some 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 weight off of the body or, uh, you know, got maybe a, a dual exhaust kit added so we could breathe a little bit better. But either way, uh, your boy stuck uh, on the wrong side of history here, folks. So, you know, I, I won't make you do one with me. You're good. You're good. You were right on this one. Enjoy the fucking victory. I don't give it to you often. Take it. Take the money and run, as they say. Um, Gregory Rodriguez gets it done, man. 79 total strikes. 71 of them significant, which, again, proves my fucking Hemi theory. Come on, man. And I'll tell you what, Brad Tavares ended up losing here. He didn't fight like a Prius, like the Prius that he usually is. 42 total strikes landed. 37 of them significant. My guy. My guy. He was landing at the same total shots landed to significant strikes landed clip as fucking RoboCop. That's not how he fights. It was, I, it was out of desperation, though, it felt like, right? I mean, it felt it like because did. Robocop's pressure, he was moving forward the whole time. Brad had to, like, fend him off, man. It was like fighting off those zombies in freaking Call of Duty. Just they keep coming. They keep spawning quicker and quicker every time. I'm not going to yeah. lie to you. Like, the, the way that Gregory Rodriguez throws hooks makes oh. me have flashbacks to Saturday sparring at American Kickboxing Academy. And it's like, they're not fun flashbacks. <laughs> Dude, at my age, I mean, and I'm only 29, but brother, I feel like I would freaking pop a disc out. <laughs> I'd bust a hip out of place. I'd freaking do so much torque behind that thing. Starting sparring again this year. Ooh, I mean, why not, baby? When in Rome. Cheers to that, brother. And I, I know you said I don't have to do a shot. I get to do it, baby. Why? Because it's my show. Our show, <sighs> we do what we want. Mind, baby. Come on now. You know this, man know this but man what a performance what an outing and honestly i i thought brad still had a chance man i mean you know you can only take so much damage you can only take so much of a pounding from a, a robocop but brad tavares man what an absolute dog what an absolute savage it just felt like it was a lumberjack and the lumberjack in this scenario is gregory rodriguez just chopping away chopping away chopping away at that redwood tree being brad tavares man He's built like a redwood. And that's exactly what happened, man. He just chop, chop, chop away. But I do want to say the two things that stood out to me were 
RoboCop's pressure, just his willingness to stand in the pocket, move forward, be willing to get hit, but to get off too, I thought was impressive. And you mentioned it, bro, the freaking cardio. This guy, man, I mean, the the gas tank that he was able to still have in that third round, the power to still have in that third round after 10, 12 minutes of fighting to put out a Brad Tavares, someone who's, I don't think he's ever, maybe he's been knocked out, but not often. This guy, this is not a common occurrence for our boy. He went the distance against Israel Adesanya and couldn't get finished. He could go the distance. Yeah. Herculean efforts here. By he will find a way. <laughs> Honestly, Hercules, the best Disney animated movie of all time. Oh, if you dude. disagree, literally, I will fight you in the streets. <laughs> well, I may just disagree just so, we could, <laughs> just so I can get fatality in the street. But uh, no, I agree. And one of the best soundtracks. I mean, that song. I mean, a lot of bangers. But um, yeah, brother, I mean. Gregory Rodriguez, man, what a statement to make over a tough individual in Brad Tavares. It was it was a fun fight, man. It was my favorite fight of the night just because of the stakes, the implications, as I like to say around here. But also just two guys, two savages that I've always loved watching fight at this middleweight division, staples in the division. And a lot at stakes, man. And Gregor Rodriguez was able to come out victorious, able to dig just a little bit deeper, able to withstand the heat in the kitchen, but also able to dish it out too, man. It was absolutely fun. Fantastic. Huge shout out. What's next? Is it top 15? Why not, bro? I mean, why not? Right? I mean, what more does he need to do? Brad Tavares is he just beat Chris Weidman. He's a guy. I'm surprised he doesn't have a, a you know, a name, a number next to his name. He's but what do guy. you think, brother? I think he's I mean, a guy, it, man. It's stiff competition, right? I mean, Jack Hermanson just fought. He's at 10 here. Just moved up one spot. But uh, maybe you get Gregory Rodriguez, that same Joe Pfeiffer treatment. Maybe you give him an opportunity to knock on that top 15. And there's there's guys there. Kai Barallo. I mean, he's a young gun. You know, why not maybe make him earn it against another Brazilian? What do you think, brother? I'm not mad at it, man. I, uh, I'll be honest with you. I think uh, Gregory Rodriguez... He proved a lot of things this weekend. He proved he's got a gas tank, and not only that, but he proved that he has the ability to have that kind of Dustin Poirier-like perk where he becomes more sniper-like as the rounds go on. In that second round, I thought maybe he's slowing down. Maybe he's not got it. Maybe he's going to tire out and, uh, you know, punch himself out here. Uh, You know, because in the first round, he threw 41 strikes. He landed 19. Second round, he threw 11 strikes less and landed six strikes less. So he was going down in, in volume. Right. So he threw 11 strikes less in that second round. And then in the next round, he only threw one strike more, but he landed eight strikes more. So his uh, his accuracy literally went up 15 uh, percent in between the second and third round. And in between the first and second round, it went up uh, what, 19 percent. So. I mean, give this guy his fucking his flowers, kids. Like he he's continuing to get better throughout the fight. He's a big, strong guy. That's not easy to do. That means that he's trained in the right way, um, and he's tailor made his his style and his body to compete in the way that he competes, which is a fan favorite style of competition, folks. I think we can all agree on that. Give this guy a top fifteen ranked opponent. Um, I, I think it goes without saying that he is entertaining, and uh, I think now he's ready. For the upper echelon, 
I think um, this might not be the favorite thing to to say here, but Roman Delize didn't exactly win any fans in that last outing, even though he's up one ranking position technically this week. I think he's I think he's not above fighting somebody like a Gregory Rodriguez. So give me Gregory Rodriguez versus Roman Delize. Um I think that fight makes a lot of sense for pretty obvious reasons. I love that. I would love to see it, brother. Partially to kind of punish a Roman Delize, you know, only going down one spot and actually somehow going up a ranking, but also give our boy Gregory Rodriguez a, a solid crack, man. At his age, what is he like? Let me double check here. Is he 32, 30? He, he's getting up there in age as far as MMA age goes. He is uh, 31 years right 31. now. But just now it's time in just five days or four days. Apologies. Okay. He's 32 going on 52. He does have an old face. What's, doesn't what's, he? I was going to say what's crazy <laughs> is he looks older than me, but I mean, he's a handful of years younger than your boy. <laughs> well, you're aging like a fine wine, brother. You got that George Let's Clooney go. gene. Let's go, baby. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> I appreciate that. I, re- I truly do. <laughs> No, seriously. I mean, his face looks leathered. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's done. He's done quite a bit more sparring than your boy. <laughs> the worst scar I got isn't even from sparring. It's from Mary's sister when we played disc golf. It's actually right there. You can still oh, see. Oh, that may be why too. As soon as I Google image his face, he had the one of the gnarliest cuts in UFC history a few years back, where his whole entire brow he had a was third off. eyebrow. Good gracious! Third eye, yeah, brother. Fair. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, he that, that that hole was so big they put a five G antenna in there, brother. That's what I heard. <laughs> That's why his accuracy got better. He's sniper like now. Five G. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> if you can see that scar, oh, I'm gonna start looking for it now. Yeah, because my goodness, that thing was crazy. I mean, it's not hard to find. I'm just gonna type in Gregory Rodriguez cut, and uh, here we go. I found it. <laughs> <laughs> the. <laughs> The picture of it is just so good, dude. Hold on. I'm going to go ahead and just show this on the uh, on the show here. Here we go. Yeah, this is perfect. Just because, viewer discretion like, advised. Yeah, viewer discretion is advised. Also, we do not own the rights to this image. Uh, this is definitely a UFC-owned image here, uh, but I digress. The best thing about it is the fact that... Um, He's oh, making that face. He's face. Like, look at that. That's a nasty cut, dude. Ooh, that looks um, pretty bad. He's like, oh, boy. Doctor can stop this one. <laughs> Sheesh. Is that my face? So, um, oh, Gregory boy. Rodriguez, my guy. Uh, he healed up rather nicely. And and here he is. Uh, got the win. <laughs> Again, I'd love to see him in there against a top 15 ranked opponent. Nobody top 10, but top top 10 to 15 would be very, very nice. Uh, moving into this next one, we got Robert Brickchick coming in against Ihor Poteria. My guy, Nano, can you tell me? Can you, can you, can you tell me how this fight made you feel? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure you had Brickchick. I did, so it did not make me feel good. It made me feel really bad. It made me feel like a piece of cheat. <laughs> made me feel really small. <laughs> uh, it, it was a fun fight, man. I, the whole time I was just thinking, ah, like, you know, may, maybe, maybe he's winning. Maybe, maybe, maybe he can make a case. You know, maybe there's a way that the judges are 
gonna be high and drunk and out of their mind and you know maybe on other drugs that you know will disillusion them from themselves and maybe think that rob was winning that fight but no bobby birzek uh just really disappointed me but i also gotta give igor his flowers igor potiera um was on a two-fight losing streak after beating and basically retiring my favorite fighter of all time that's shogun hua fan favorite that is um the disrespect, man. But to come back and hey, I mean, his back was up against the wall. And that was how he fought. I did think that first round was close, but as the second and third round started to get going, Igor started to you know really take over. And again, it just yeah, just tougher guy. Maybe had a deeper you know why behind his his being in the octagon, but it just you know felt like Robert was a bit flat. You know, I mean. Not much else I can say stylistically. I thought they both had opportunities. They both their holes there. There were opportunities to be taken. You know, not a lot of takedowns necessarily, but Igor just looked like the hungrier fighter there, man. The hungrier dog in this match. So I'm gonna finish pouring up my shot. Here's here your thoughts on the breakdown and uh you know what else uh, stood stood out to you in this one. Well, when it came to this fight, there was a couple of things that stood out. Um, main thing was that Ihor Poteria, the gunslinger, the duelist himself, uh, had definitely improved in between this fight and his last fight. Uh, I truly feel like he came out there feeling like he had something to prove, right? Um, and it showed. So he got the uh, unanimous decision in this one. I thought it was absolutely deserved because he did more than enough to win. Um, in the first round, which was arguably the closest round. He outstruck his opponent on significant strikes by two, landing 14 to 12. And on total strikes, he outstruck him by six, landing 22 compared to 16. Uh, he also got almost a minute of control time in that first round. And then just as the fight went on, the gap continued to just widen uh, 28 to 12 on total or on significant strikes in the second round. Um, Every single strike these guys throw in the second round was actually significant strikes. So you love to see it. These guys were going out there with venom. Uh, they were trying to hurt one another, folks. And in the third round, oh man, uh, bad just went to worst for Robert Brickchick. Uh, he went from landing 34%. So this is actually one of the more intriguing stats and facts about this fight for me. I don't know if you saw this or not, but here we go. So in round one, these men went out there and both landed 34% significant strike accuracy clip. Pretty wild, right? Exactly the same percentage, okay? Did the math here on the next one, and this is where it gets a little bit crazy. Robert degraded to 21%, and Ehor improved to 45% significant strike accuracy clip. So... They started off with literally the same exact thing. And then by the second round, there was a two to one deficit in their accuracy of significant strikes thrown to landed. If you go to the third round, that continued to degrade for Robert Brechek. But meanwhile, Ihor Pacharia did not go below what he started at in the fight, which is fucking awesome. Um, as someone who would consider himself more of a striker, you know this about me. Um, I love watching striking. I also don't shy away from watching grappling. I just, I don't like doing it, man. It's fucking exhausting, dude. And also, I like, I don't, I, I like my back. It's, it's already shitty 
I don't need it to be shittier, you know? <laughs> and grappling will do that for me, so I'm good. I'm good. I'll just stick with the bad knees from fucking Muay Thai. Uh, so <laughs> I digress. In the third and final round, Robert Brickcheck went down to 19% significant strike accuracy. So he landed eight of 42 thrown. So he threw more than he did in the first round and landed less. Meanwhile, his opponent threw more than he did in the first round and landed more. So in the first round, they each, as I said, landed 34% significant strike accuracy clip. In the final round, it was 19 to 38. So again, almost a two to one differentiator. It was actually exactly a two to one differentiator. 19, nine plus nine, 18, 10 plus 10, 20, 18 plus 20, 38, 38, 38. Boom. So yeah, there you go. It's literally two to one. I digress, folks. Um, this is why I'm such a Dustin Poirier fan. There's just something special about as a fight goes on. Not only are you not slowing down, but you're getting better. You're landing more. You're throwing more. And you're landing more accurately. <sighs> it's just a fucking chef's kiss moment if I've ever seen it, Nano. So, we love those uh, yeah, chef's man. kisses, baby. Come on. That's what a lot we love of chef's around kisses here. in this one. People were calling this fight card watered down. People were saying this fight card was like, meh. I fucking firmly disagree, folks. Um, I've now watched this fight card in its entirety twice. Not upset about it. Um, I do it for the podcast, but I also do it for me. Okay. Uh, so, in this fight, Nano, were you super impressed by Ehor? And if so, um, are you going to play matchmaker? No matchmaker here again. Coming off two losses, I just felt like his back was against the wall. If he was going to lose three in a row, it's hard to stay on this active roster. Again, it's competitive. There's a lot of dogs. And if you're not trending up, Dana White doesn't really have a lot of reason to keep you around unless you're a Tony Ferguson or someone else that's of that legendary status already. But Igor is not at that status just yet. So, no, I I mean, I, I think he did just enough. I thought that. Again, like I felt like Robert Bridge, like the fight was there for the taking. Like no one was really running away with it. He just didn't dig deep enough, in my opinion. Um, so I, I don't have any uh, names on the top of my head here. This middleweight division, man, it, it's tough. It's competitive. There's a lot of moving, a lot of shaking and ruffling of these feathers here at the top, as we've seen as of recent here. Three or four different champs over the last like couple years. Obviously, Izzy Adesanya's reign was something to be in the record books, but we live in the present, baby. And the current champ is Vickers Duplessis. And currently as a top 15 look, I don't see a place where Igor makes his way. I think he's another fight, maybe two away from getting that opportunity. But I was wrong, so I will have to drink to his uh, victory. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, brother. Big size, you. Cheers me here, brother. Get it, brother. <laughs> Boom. Oh, boy. This next you know one. Me. I'm a glass half full kind of guy. That's what we do. That's what we do, brother. Uh, in the next one, we had Danny Ige against Andre Philly. I, I think I think I see you pouring up another one. It's uh, <laughs> our man. boy, man. It's our boy. I know, I know both got. of us knew going into this one that like it wasn't gonna be a good one for us. And it wasn't gonna be an easy one, and it likely wasn't gonna be a correct one. Um, but I digress. As you said, he's our boy. And just like Chris Weidman's dad said when he lost, he 
Blue, you're my boy. You're my boy, Blue. You're my boy. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. He looked good until he didn't, right? And, you know, after you watch that knockout a couple times and you're running it back, it's just, you're leaving the hands a little too low, brother. Leaving the hands a little too low. Not for a 50K Ige. And it was this whole style. He's kind of going in and out, but it was just a little too low for my liking. I would have liked to have seen a little bit of a tighter guard, right? Just a little low the whole time. And he folded. And that thing, oof, there's a couple <laughs> angles of that that were, wow. Wow. We were talking about it in the MMA group chat here, uh, the one that you're part of here in Instagram. I know I have you added to way too many group chats at this point, but that's okay. Um, I love it. We were going over that today, though. Matt, our guy, Tico Tech LLC in the chat here, folks. Shout out. Uh, he said in the chat today, he's like, you know, typically I don't like follow-up shots. I'm not a fan of follow-up shots. But this one felt really satisfying for a weird reason. Uh, and, and I know that he's a fan of touchy-feely. Like, he likes the guy. But I digress. He said it felt satisfying. And I think the reason it felt satisfying, Nano, is because it was the most perfect of follow-up shots we've ever seen. And that's why I responded in said group chat with, yeah, the slow-mo of it literally looked like something out of a movie. You see him come down perfectly, boom, right on top of his head. Head bounces off the canvas like something out of a movie, right? And the craziest thing about it isn't the fact that it bounced off the canvas. Like, boom. It's the fact that there was maybe an inch and a half between it and the canvas already, as is. But in that super slow-mo, you see the moment the fist connects. <laughs> Take my glasses off here. You see the moment the fist connects, he's all, boom. And you just see Touchy Feely's eyes cross. They're open. And he goes, Brother, it is the wildest shit. It genuinely, like, if you paid an actor $10 million to, to, to do that scene in Roadhouse, it'd be shit. Like, Jake Gyllenhaal would sell the punch. But the fucking stunt double or the actor get it eating the punch? No chance he pulls off what Touchy Philly did. Touchy Philly deserves 50K for that. Um, So, shout out. Shout out to Dan 50K, EGA. Uh, more like Dan 300k Ige. One, two, three hundred k Ige. Uh, because I'm pretty sure that's how much he's made in fucking uh, post fight bonuses alone. And, and they're only 50k. That's a lot of post fight bonuses, folks. That's a lot of post fight bonuses, folks. Um, so I digress. Uh, he was our boy, he was our guy, he was our man, he was our myth, he was our legend, but he still went down. So this shot is for you, Touchy Philly. I appreciate you taking the picture with me back in uh, UFC SAC so long ago. And I still hope for title aspirations, man. Cheers to that, brother. Keep finding the good fight, Touchy Philly. Oh, good stuff. Well, the uh, bad news is we ran out of chase, or the good news is we haven't run out of whiskey because after this, we have, I think, one final shot to do. Um, we do, unfortunately. The worst thing about it is, you know, I literally made a joke about it. I said, every minute after five, this fight goes on, 
Or no, no, no. I said every minute after the seventh minute that this fight goes on, Jack Hermanson is going to start winning this fight. I want to say it was about six minutes and 45 seconds in where I literally looked at Mary and I'm like, bad news bears, babe. It's happening. <laughs> and I just slowly watched my six leg parlay seven. If Daniel Marcos's fight would have kept going to slowly dissipate <laughs> my one unit. I think the payout was going to be, it was five for 65. So one unit for six, oh no, 12 units. That'd have been 12. We suck again. <laughs> oh man, we suck again. <laughs> That's been my new line recently. Yeah. We suck again. So well, we suck um, again, but man, Jack Manson, he deserves all the credit. And I think he fought the right fight. His game plan was, I'm going to forfeit the first two rounds. I'm going to sacrifice 10 minutes. And then I'm going to beat his ass for the last 15. <laughs> That's how it felt. Did not see that coming. <laughs> and Joe Piper really lost steam, bro. I mean, that was, we we mentioned it. We asked the question. I literally, I literally said he has the hardest punch in recorded history. Does that mean that he doesn't know how to throw a light punch? Right? Like, does that How's that going to look? Yeah, gonna, twenty minutes later, across twenty five minutes, and I literally said, if if he throws the hardest punches in the world, I make the Hemi analogy all the time, bro. Like he is a Hemi versus a Prius. Like that's facts. Jack the Joker Hermanson went in there, and he's like, "Yeah, that's fine. Like you're Playboy billionaire Bruce Wayne, but haven't you heard? I'm the Joker." <laughs> <laughs> like it, it was, it was wild, bro. I I just. Oh man, it it was almost tough to watch. Um, and I just got to say, shout out to the fiance. She said, "You need Chaser. You want me to bring it to the door?" She's, oh. she's hitting me up on the messenger. You know what I'm saying? Real one, real one. I appreciate that. I've got some melted ice, and that's enough. And this is the last one of the night, so we're good to go. Um, let's go ahead and get this one out of the way, and we'll do our our final breakdown here. For the fucking Joker who had the last laugh. I said, will the Joker have the last laugh? And fuck it if he didn't. Gosh damn it. To that laugh. To that to laugh. To the Joker. To the Joker. Well, he just about... Melted ice of Baja Blast. So he just about stole that hype train, huh? Didn't he? He, uh, he stole a train. It was the hype train of Joe Pfeiffer. He didn't steal that train. He fucking uh, he threw a couple sticks of dynamite on the tracks, brother. He blew that train up. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's what he did. <laughs> he blew it up. He, he had his bricks of dynamite, and he had his cavalry hard horseback, and he was ready to take all the cargo on that uh, train, man, on that hype train that was Joe Pfeiffer. But yeah, hey, absolutely a clinic of performance. Like I mentioned, I think he just really knew how to not gas himself out again. He let Joe Pfeiffer, and I say let because he was just playing possum here. That's really what was happening. He was showing up. He was letting Joe hit him with everything he had and let Joe outstrike him those first two rounds. But that third round outstruck Joe two to one. Fourth round, three to one. Last round, round five, ten to one. 52 strikes landed. Only six by Joe Pfeiffer, ladies and gentlemen. 
I know you've been hot with all the uh, stats today, but I had to drop some of those because that's craziness, y'all. The Joker does not play. He knows your weakest freaking link, man. And he finds it. He exposes it. And and he didn't even have to use a lot of that wrestling, right? I think that was my one thing. Is he's going to use some wrestling? Is he going to use some grappling? Is it going to be this chess match on the ground? And he did get some takedowns down the stretch. I have to admit that it's not like that was not in the arsenal. But he did not need to rely on it. I mean, the whole fight, he only had two takedowns. He landed one of them, and the last one was in the fifth round. And it was just to keep Joe on his back from, you know, knocking him out or anything crazy happening. When he already had it in the bag, basically. And Joe, 0 for 6. Oh, and I did not expect one Joe Pfeiffer to out to attempt more takedowns than Jack Hermanson. But did you expect that kind of onslaught, that that early barrage, and then and then the slowly uh, slow takeover of a uh, Jack Hermanson? Was that was that on the docket? Anything else stuck out to you? I honestly almost wish I could say that I didn't anticipate exactly this happening. Um, I knew that I knew Joe Pfeiffer was going to come out and throw lead, right? I knew he was going to throw everything but the kitchen sink and at times fucking even the kitchen sink. Like those, the sounds of his glove connecting with the Joker's face on some of the shots were, it was honestly horrific, right? Um, and I'm not afraid to admit that he took years possibly off of Jack the Joker Hermanson's career with those shots. Uh, but I digress. Jack wore it very well. Uh, he's very much like the Joker that fights Bruce Wayne pretty much every month, right? When you're reading those uh, issues of the comic books. He eats the shots. He he gets a broken rib or two and he just keeps on coming. He, he seems to never stop as long as he's able to inflict his own damage. And much like the Joker in the DC comic books, the damage he was inflicting wasn't just physical. It was emotional. It was it was mental. You could see our guy, Joe Pfeiffer, quit in between rounds two and three. Um, I don't know if you were watching this at a family function, at a date night, at an event, however the case may be. I know how the cookie crumbles. No judgment zone here. Uh, this is no filter, as you can see, uh, up until the, the right there. Um, but I digress. I didn't get to watch it live. So I blocked out the spoilers, and I came home, and I watched it that night, and then I watched it again today. And, um, man, I got to be honest with you. In between rounds three and four, or sorry, in between round two and three, Joe Pfeiffer went to his corner, and he the first thing he said, no, no, you're going to love this, is... Did I win that one? If you're going to the corner and the first thing you say is, did I win that one? You lost that one. Nine out of ten times, you lost that one. And ten out of ten times, you didn't fight your best fight. Um, Because you're worried. Uh, Again, like you're concerned with what's taking place, and that means you didn't fight your best fight. That means you don't think you won or did enough to win. So... Joe Pfeiffer going into the third round with that mentality, brother, it's early. I hope you packed the lunch, kid. You got three fucking rounds left. You're two-fifths of the way through the fight. For those of you that are bad at math, again, no filter, no judgment. Um, that's less than halfway into the fucking fight. So 
if you're if you're in a bad place, if you're in a bad shape, and you're a bad way, oh boy, you got a long way to go, and you might as well just be a scrap of meat surrounded by dogs. You know what I'm saying? Because they're about to tear you apart. Jack the Joker Hermanson just happened to be that dog. I saw this fight going exactly that way. I told you after seven minutes, Joe Pfeiffer starts to fade. Um, if you look at this fight actually going back to kind of by the round, you can see significantly what happened here. So in round one, Again, you're gonna love you're gonna love this stat. No, no, I don't know if you're ready for it, uh, but you're gonna love this. So, round one, you had 42 percent to 41 percent. Who do you think had the higher significant strike accuracy? I mean, going in, I would have said Joe, but I gotta Jack. assume Jack did. Yep. <laughs> round one, uh, Jack Hermanson had the better accuracy of significant strikes. Now, mind you, he landed 16 compared to 24. Okay. But he landed at a better clip. Let's go ahead and fast forward to round two. Uh, <laughs> 50 to 36%. Who do you think had the higher accuracy clip of significant strikes landed versus thrown? Jeez. Oh, it's going to be it's gonna be Jack again, huh? This freaking joker. <laughs> it's going to be this fucking joker. You know, joke's on you. Uh, so <laughs> he threw almost half the amount of strikes. But he only landed three less. So... It was 38 to 60 thrown and 19 to 22 landed. Jack Hermanson, 50%. Um, let's go ahead and jump into round three, shall we? 53% to 30%. I know this seems like kind of a moot point, but who do you think had the better significant strike accuracy chance there? Ooh. Is Joe going to sneak one in here? No. No, it's a joker. Not a chance, brother. It's the Joker. Uh, joker at 53% over 30%, landing 37 to 20 this time. <sighs> now is when he started to pick up steam. So in round one, he had the higher percentage, 16 to 24. Round two, higher percentage, 19 to 20. As you can see, first two rounds, as your boy predicted, landed less. But to the untrained eye, he's winning. To the, to the trained eye, He's still in the fight, so he's probably going to win this fight. Now, moving into round four, where it really starts to get into the championship grit, what happened? <sighs> the gap closed a little bit. I know that's not what you were expecting. You were expecting me to rub salt in the wound a little bit here, but it was it was only uh, 57 to 47%, but I'm not even going to ask you. Joker got it. He was at the 57% clip. Uh, and here's the crazy thing. Even though the percentage closed... So did the gap of differential. Uh, so Jack the Joker Hermanson actually took over 100% in this round because he landed 33 to 22 on significant strikes landed. And um, do you want to take it? What the different? Do you want to take a guess at what the differential was on the total strikes landed in round four? Ooh, one to two, one to three. I, maybe one, one, one to five. two, yeah, maybe one to two, somewhere in there. It was a, it was a almost one to two, perfect, uh, exact. Oh, so it was twenty three to fifty eight landed of total strikes. Uh, and, and when it comes to significant strikes, again, there's an eleven strike fucking differential. Mind you, Joe Piper only landed twenty two significant strikes. There's still an eleven strike differential. So that's a third Jeez. of a difference. 
right? So he's really started to take over the complexion of this fight, lead the dance, so to speak. <clears throat> now, this is where, this is the part that, no, no, I'm going to be honest with you, Jive Turkey. I don't like this part. I don't like rubbing things in people's faces. <laughs> that was a lie. Um, <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Um, in this fifth and final round, and I told you, every round after round two, it's going to get bad. It got really fucking bad, rounds three through five. But the fifth is arguably, and, and again, if you want to argue with me that I'm wrong here, I will fight you in the streets, folks, because it's statistically proven. Okay, I'm not being a dick. If it's factually proven and statistically proven and numerically proven, you'd be hard pressed to prove a point against me right now, folks. So we had a 48% to 19% significant strike accuracy. <laughs> Do you want to take a guess at who had the 48%? I mean, it's got to be our boy, right? It's got to be our boy. It's got to be our boy, <laughs> Joker. Um, and, and now, oh, man. I almost hate to say this out loud because like when I was writing down these stats, it felt better than when I'm saying them out loud, if I'm being honest. Um, there was a one to three differential of significant strikes landed in that final round. So not only did our guy land at twice the accuracy differential, but he landed three times as many total significant strikes. It's tough. It's, it's, it's tough. Um, 16 to four on significant strikes landed. And I mean, the total strikes is just honestly disturbing. It's 52 to six. Wild, wild down the stretch. 52 to six. If me and you go to Thailand next year and I'm landing on you like that, like I'm tapping out. I feel bad. At some point, your hands will you get know, out. Like, brother, like I, like I feel bad. I'm like, all right, he, we got some good content for the channel. He's my boy. We're good. I got a moral victory. We're fine. I don't want to hurt the kid. Like, I love this guy, brother. Like, fifty-two to six. I'm With saying this out on loud the on the podcast too. because there's no part of me that thinks like, even if I train and you don't, fifty-two to six is big time tough, kid. That's big tough. Big yikes. Anyway, slice it. In the fifth round, too, man. That's what sucks. And you mentioned it. I mean, no gas tank. I mean, he just was not. not. And I don't want to say he was not able to dig deep enough, but it's just when all, you know, your exhaustion, all of your energy leaves you. It's like, what do you have? It's, it's those skills. It's. And, and honestly, the X factor was that even that takedown, like at a minimum, like even if Joe wanted to try to give himself a shot. Jack took him down and he was just a sin duck. I mean, the middle of the octagon couldn't, you know, stimmy your way back. No explosion at that point. I mean, he he had no answer for it, right? He could have sat there. He could have did that in the first minute of that last round and he would not have been able to get up, I think. That's where I thought, ah, oh, yeah, he unfortunately still has a little bit of a ways to go when it comes to that part of his game. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I mean, Joe Pfeiffer is one of those guys that's just going to put it all out of there. And uh, he's a finisher, right? Like, he's going to finish you or get finished. And in this case, he proved hard to be finished, at least. But Jack the Joker Manson is also not a prolific finisher. So 
I don't think we learned a whole lot about Jack Hermanson other than, you know, when it comes to a five-round fight, if you're betting on Jack Hermanson, fuck boy, come round three, you're going to be looking at his gas tank like, where are you? Uh, because it's it's just, it's tough. It's, it's tough. You know, uh, when you throw every single fucking ounce of yourself into every single strike, it's just a matter of time until the gas tank hits this. You know, it happens. Uh, so that's what happened in this one. Now, the real question that I love to answer on this podcast, uh, this is probably one of my favorite things about the post-fight shows and the recap shows, is what's next for Jack the Joker, Hermanson, and of the person that you think should be next for him, will Jack the Joker, Hermanson, have the last laugh? <laughs> um, real talk, though. Who do you have on the tip of your tongue for one Jack the Joker Hermanson. Oh man, this is a tough one, brother. Because he he's sitting in an interesting spot. He's number ten at the middleweight division. All those guys in front of him are absolute dogs, right? But he's also a couple of them. So, it, it, you know, how much do you reward someone that has lost to some of these guys as well? I mean, I don't think I can go any farther than a Brendan Allen Allen, but that doesn't do him any favors, right? And Brandon Allen Allen already has a fight against Martin Vittori upcoming in April, so doesn't even make sense. Master D. Mimovov, I mean, I suppose, maybe, 8 versus 10, you know, just fought recently. Beat Roman Delize, who's sitting there in the middle for some reason. But if you're Jack, I mean, maybe just sit for a little bit, see how the dust settles, and then maybe you fight one of these guys in the top nine. But no other names top of mind for me. It just feels like he's stuck between a rock and a hard place, right? Like, he won, he shouldn't feel the need to go down a rank and he just fought someone that was unranked. Like, should he feel the need to fight someone that's 15 through 11? I'm sure Dana calls him will answer, but maybe he waits for one of those guys that are above him to open up and then maybe he gets a crack at one of them. No one top of mind for me though, brother. What are you thinking? Well, I'll be honest with you. You said Brennan Allen Allen and uh, man, as much as I honestly hate to admit it, the hive mind is fucking real. Let's go. Um, the hive mind is very fucking real here. I didn't have Brennan Allen down, but I did have the loser of Brennan Allen versus Marvin Vittori. Um, whoever lose that, who sorry, whoever loses that fight is going to get a minor setback, and with that minor setback comes the sake of having to say yes to a fucking fight. That is not necessarily the most favorable fight for you. So if Marvin Vittori loses that fight, Jack Hermanson makes sense for him. If Brendan Allen loses that fight, Jack Hermanson makes sense for him. And with all due respect, whoever loses that fight is whoever they fight, right? Like whether it's Brendan Allen versus Jack Hermanson or Marvin Vittori versus Jack Hermanson, the winner of that fight is one fight away from a title contender fight. That's it. Or the winner of that fight, if they win in a very, very like showcasey way, is right into contention with a title contender fight. So, um, I mean, that's my take. I feel like it makes a lot of sense to get Jack Hermanson back in there sooner rather than later uh, while he's riding the hype of beating a hype train and 
fucking Joe Piper. Um, you know, the original saying was beat Joe Piper, but Jack the Joker, her manton, laughed at that and said, beat Joe Piper. And that's what he did, folks. Uh, so I digress. Um, maybe that should be a design. Maybe we should. Should I Photoshop Jack the Joker, her manton, into DC's Joker? And make a beat Joe Pfeiffer shirt. <laughs> that Very could be personal. a fucking design. That <laughs> looks sick. That looks sick. <sighs> Feels. A bit I like personal. Joe Pfeiffer though. I, I'd hate to rock some merch of him. You know, getting get, getting on the being the butt end of it, but a little bit of a Joker kind of feel with a Jacker Manson. That's kind of fun, man. I like this a little bit. I like what I'm seeing here. A little bit of the hair, you know. Crop in a little Jackie. <laughs> we might we might have to we might have to stay on a little bit late after Thursday's episode to design some new merch. Um, you heard it here first, folks. So make sure that you tune into Thursday's episode where we will definitely be breaking down our picks for UFC 298. Uh, also going to have at Mildish Gambino out here for the weekend to watch the fights. You know him, obviously, as, uh, you know, Jordan, the man with the plan from fucking Yelp back in the day. Uh, he's going to be driving out for the fights here on Saturday. We're going to watch them at my place. So maybe we'll get some live footage. Might do a little bit of a live stream on Instagram. If you're not following me on there, make sure you drop a follow today. It is at MMA Anomaly. Big shocker there. It's at MMA Anomaly on fucking everything. And if you're not following the co-host with the most, make sure you do today. That was a weird point. There we go. Boom. There he is. Uh, it's at Jive Turkey Talk on Twitter. Um, the more of you that follow him on Twitter, the more active we're going to get him on that bitch. So let's fucking go, kids. Uh, I fucking love this guy. And you should be following him. Because he's got great takes. He's got great breakdowns. And if you're new here, if you're old here, if you're somewhere in between that take, either way, make sure that as soon as this video wraps for the live video, you like, comment, subscribe, smash that bell for notifications. And if you're just listening to the audio only version of the podcast here, folks, make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe, Whatever the fuck you do on the audio-only versions on the Spotify and the Apple and whatever you listen to podcasts on, either way, we highly appreciate you guys tuning out, tuning in, or turning up and tuning in, and uh, we appreciate it. We'll see you on Thursday. I'm MMA Anomaly, MMA Anomaly, and this is my host, Jive Turkey Nano. And as we like to say on this podcast, keep on going and keep on growing, and we'll see you next time, folks. You've been listening to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. As you may have been able to tell, we dig the MMA, and our passion is to dive deep into the upcoming fights, give you our expert breakdowns, and help you make sense of all the chaos that is the fight game. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, make sure to find us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at MMAnomaly. Be cool, and we'll see you next time.